Welcome to the Forward 40 Podcast, where we highlight the experiences of 40 women of color on the rise in the nonprofit and social enterprise sectors. This is an ode to our foremothers, a healing circle of our unique experiences, and a bridge of insight and wisdom across generations. back everyone to another episode of Forward 40. Very excited to have the guest in the guest chair today, Janine Brown, who is the founder of Empower Her 2, a Toronto-based nonprofit that's dedicated to helping 14 to 21-year-old women and girls reach their fullest potential. And they have three pillars that they focus on, independence, leadership, and confidence. And she also has several for-profit businesses under her belt. So welcome, Janine. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So Janine, you know, if multitasker had a face, we would see you. (laughs) (laughs) You're a nonprofit founder, entrepreneur, several businesses, and you're also expanding. Can you take us back to like when you were working in media and communications and your transition to being a business owner? Um, So... It's funny enough because someone actually asked me this question yesterday. How do they correlate? And I was like, you know what's crazy? Because I was overseeing a team, because I was, you know, a production manager and I was overseeing a team, I basically took what I learned and brought it to the entrepreneurial world because although I had only one boss above me, mm-hmm. I one was already doing his job basically. Mm-hmm. And two, I was basically, you know, helping create processes for the team. I was, you know, submitting, making sure their payroll was going in as well. So everything that I, although it was completely uh, several different industries, because obviously, as you mentioned, you know, I work in, I do a lot of for-profit, I, sorry, own a couple of for-profit businesses as well. And they're all different industries. It's still all the same because all the work that I would be managing is still overseeing employees, making mm. sure that approvals are sent out, you know, ensuring that, you know, my staff, they're happy with what they're doing or let, you know, you have to go speak to HR and that goes for the nonprofit as well, where you still want to ensure like your employees are engaged. They still have those benefits that they would get if they worked within a for-profit, which is similar to what I worked within um, the media and communication. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that would really be it. That whole transition wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. The only, the hardest part about it was knowing that I'm not getting that guaranteed paycheck anymore. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, if I don't do the work, now I'm by myself when I first start, if I don't do the work, nothing's going to get done. I don't get paid. At least when I had a team, it's, well, the team has to do the work. And if I really want to sit back and not do anything, I don't have to just sign off. Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to get paid. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And when did you, it's interesting, you know, like how you were able to like transfer like what you were doing on the job when you were actually working as a part of like bigger companies. When did you decide to launch your own business and how did you decide on the types of businesses that you would actually launch? Um, so it really came from, you know, working in media of course you know it's really hours are crazy they're expensive you're working like 15 18 hours and I said to myself one day you know I was realizing that you know I'm in my 20s I'm not in my 20s anymore guys and you know being in your early 20s you want to go clubbing you want to hang out with your friends you know you literally want to enjoy life mm-hmm. because you think that's what it's about in your 20s I live at home you know I can spend all my money buy all this designer stuff and you know have no repercussions but then I'm still in my 20s I stay home 
<laughs> um, and for me, it kind of was like, okay, well, my friends are all going out partying. Guess what I'm doing? I'm working. Mm-hmm. You know, in the mornings when they're sleeping in, I'm going to work. And I worked an hour away. So I thought about it and I was like, okay, what is something that's necessary, a service that an employee could use that not many companies offer right now? And I was like, oh, okay, you know what? Let's let's start the concierge company mm-hmm. because guess what? Employees should be taken care of. Employees are the worst. If your employees do not enjoy their job, they do not work, enjoy working for you, they don't see the benefits in working for you, they're going to quit. Yes. And guess what? They're going to lose money. Because mm-hmm. how do you make those clients, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I was like, okay, like this is what we're going to do. Cool. So it was more so of a, like, okay, what can I do and how can I transition out? So let's start an employee concierge company where, you know, an employer would come in and hire us to go ahead and provide services to their staff members during the day while the staff's at work. So by the time they finish work at six, seven o'clock, even eight o'clock, they can come home, they can have their dinner cooked. Hey, if they say, I actually want a chef as one of my services, okay, they'll have the chef, they can sit with their family, they can do their kids' homework with their kids. So that's kind of where my transition came out, where it really, working in the for-profit industries helped me learn that, okay, well, this is something that as an employee, I would love to have. Mm. And I would love, and like I said, I'm a giver and I'm every business I have, I really want to be able to give back. I'm a servant leader and that's pretty much what I call myself. So I felt like I'm giving back to the employees who are giving their time to employers. Yes. Wow. Wow. Um, thank you for sharing that. And also I appreciate how, you know, like the, the, the evolution of um, just your, your leap into entrepreneurship, you were finding, you, you really thought, okay, well, what is it that I, you know, would want as someone who actually works? Like what is not being filled right now? And that's what I'm going to to just launch. I, I, I truly commend you for that. Um, so it's kind of, um, I guess, in a similar vein, you know, um, you you launched Empower Her too. That also had its for profit um, kind of like genesis before it became a nonprofit. And you shared that throughout your career you had male mentors. How did that uniquely inspire the work that you're doing with the nonprofit? And how also did Empower Her to evolve? Um, that really came from when you know at the time I was with a male who. His family, his mother um, was just, just diagnosed with breast cancer. And I was like, hmm, I don't really know much about it. And that's weird because, like, I'm in my 20s. Mm-hmm. My parents, my mom was, like, in her 40s at that time. And I was like, this doesn't make sense how I don't know anything. So I asked my peers. And they're like, yeah, I don't really know much about it. So I said, okay, what can we do to give back with me thinking again, being who I am? I was like, okay, we can just host an event. And the event was very, very successful. I got really good comments. You know, everyone kept saying, when's the next event? So then we also partnered with the Canadian Cancer um, Society and, you know, we gave back any of the funds that we, after obviously we paid for all the um, expenses, we gave back to the Canadian Cancer Society. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, hmm, what's the next step? So we started having more events and still giving back to other organizations. And then I said, well, if I'm going to keep having these events, I should at least have my own organization. And on top of it, Having those male mentors showed me that whenever I'd approach other women that were, you know, older than me mm-hmm. uh, or in higher positions than me, they would always brush me off or they'd be very catty with me. And I'm like, this is the reason why a lot of young women have male mentors, because a lot of older women who are in the position to help, they don't want to help because I'm holier than thou or better than thou because I'm here and you're not. But mm-hmm. how can I get there if I don't have someone else to show me how to get there? And 
the males, even when I would speak to my fellow peers, you know, I would do some market research and realize that most male mentors are open to helping. Women are more so, well, I don't want you to come in here and take my spot because you're younger than me. And for me, I was like, okay, well, how can I change that? And then I said, okay, you know what? Since I'm already giving back through, you know, the events that we're having, we might as well just start a nonprofit and give back through that way. But let it be my own nonprofit so I can show these young girls that, you know, I was you and I didn't have the support. I didn't have those female mentors. So guess what? I'm going to be that for you. We're going to find people to help you with that. Mm. Wow. Um, it's interesting that just like the gender dynamics of like what you experience, um, you know, like working in the field of me- media communications and it being male dominated and being able to have those male mentors where like when I think about just the trajectory of my career being in more of like the social impact space uh, it has tended and education has tended to skew more towards um a predominance of of women and I've still come across <laughs> I still come across just like the dynamics of um whether someone is going to fully like support you or want to cultivate you and your leadership whether they're serving in the role as a mentor or a sponsor I've been it's I only actually had one male supervisor in my entire career which has been very very interesting oh. yeah um so I I thought that it was really interesting when, when we connected and you shared that a lot of your mentorship actually came from men and then you were able to um you know like start this this venture that started off as you know an event um and scaling that up into a nonprofit to be centered and, and focused on um, girl and women's em- empowerment. So, uh, just really, really, really interesting. And it'll, um, it'll be interesting for even our listeners to just reflect on who they've had as models in terms of their leadership, if they were to, um, break it down in terms of like the, the gender representation. Um, so with the, okay. So with the evolution of empower her Too, uh, what's something that you wish you knew, about nonprofit operations that's different from how you have ran your businesses and what from your business acumen actually helped you in your leadership. I know that you spoke about um, like the work that you were doing before and just like managing systems and employees and, um, you know, ensuring that people were getting paid. Was it any, has it been anything else um, that you wish that you would have known before like transitioning into the nonprofit space? And similarly, what, is there anything additional from your experience in business that has been beneficial to, to the operations? Um, the board of directors, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's it in itself, where I didn't really, even now I'm still learning how to operate a successful board because your board trickles down to your staff, from your leadership team, to your staff, down to your volunteers. And if your board is not together, your team is not going to be together. If your board is not consistent, they're not holding their annual meetings, their week, their monthly meetings, they're not involved it becomes really hard to operate a successful nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And considering, you know, we have some great board members, um, but we've also had hiccups. Mm-hmm. And it's also been learning experiences. It's also like, okay, how do you vote a board member out? You know, how do you not make someone feel like you're being rude um, because they're not consistent? Mm-hmm. And again, to be on the board, you need to be consistent. You know, how do you say to someone, hey, we had a whole fundraising campaign and 90% of your board didn't participate when your board is the one with the connection. Your board 
is supposed to be the one reaching out to people and helping, not just your team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's why for me, it's like even to this day, it's funny enough, if you go on my laptop right now, you'll see how to run a successful board. I have no, I have things like that. I'm like, possibly maybe we can have an ebook or something because there are a lot of young people trying to start these nonprofits and the board is basically the top of the breast. It's the top of the line right now. Yes. And yes. a lot of nonprofits, they don't even hope, like they say, oh, I have a nonprofit. You don't have board meetings. You have one board, two board members at minimum, you guys aren't really a nonprofit. You just want to have the title. So I think for me, my biggest learning curve was when it came to board, the board of directors. Mm-hmm. And even me, like, still being fully involved as an ED and still attending all the meetings, but still wanting to make sure that I'm still involved because I'm not sure if you're familiar, but all the board members could vote me out right now if they wanted to. So ensuring that my paperwork states that you can't vote me out. <laughs> or things like that because it's i've seen it i've been in meetings um i've been on calls webinars where they've like given examples of evs you know putting their whole life into a nonprofit, and boom they say sorry bye uh you gotta go mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. that's really interesting uh that you mentioned uh just the dynamics of board leadership and also their their relations um when I, I I would say, especially having worked in nonprofits and sitting on um, the board of a nonprofit, it's very very crucial, um, like the makeup of your board, but then also that the board is very clear <laughs> on what their responsibilities are, and they're not just occupying space, but being as um, diligent and creating and cultivating relationships for the greater good of the mission and the vision of of the nonprofit. And at, you know, like even for more of the startup nonprofits, they may just start out with two board members, right? Because they're 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 scaling and maybe their their operations, like even their budget is not even as extensive to maybe attract additional uh, board members, but I, I do appreciate and, um, and I hear you that that is very, very key in nonprofit operations. So the leadership of the board and also, um, their, their commitment to, to the work of, of the organization that they're, um, they've committed and vowed to, to support. Um, and on top of that as well, with the board too, one thing I just wanted to throw in there is, a small thing is setting up a bank account. Hmm. This is a big deal. When, funny enough, our bank account got frozen because when I had set it up, I was like, yeah, I'm the only person who's going to signing, you know, rights on it. Because it was years ago. And then when we fully started getting grant money, when we started getting donations, sponsors, the bank shut it down because they said, oh, your board members didn't sign off on that. Mm. And for me, I'm so used to having the business and operating and saying, okay, well, I can do everything. I'm the owner. I can do this. And now it's like, yeah, it's, I founded it, but it's actually not my organization. Mm. According to the government, it's not anyone's organization. Mm. The board oversees it. So these are things that people don't even look into or know because I didn't realize that. Mm. And so the bank said, hey, we're freezing your account. You got to come in and you got to have all your board members come in here and sign this. And, you know, I, I appreciate that you give something so, something that would be viewed as so simple, right? Um, and even though you didn't know that, like you didn't let that hiccup deter you from actualizing the vision and the mission of the organization, right? Like this is, this is still like you are even growing and evolving as a leader, not just solely as a business owner and entrepreneur, but then also in the nonprofit space. Like I, 
I appreciate your vulnerability there and then also your resilience and and persistence and and still holding true to the passion that um that kind of birthed empower her too. Thank you. You're welcome. And you had shared with me that one of your colleagues had mentioned you're the ideal empower her too girl. Um what are like especially right now um with all that's going on, you know, with the pandemic and also in the world, what are the girls um, going through in your program? Like, is there an ideal vision that you have for them in this in this particular moment? Yes. So just to kind of um, jump on to that statement that you made, it was actually my director of leadership and development. One day we actually had a staff meeting and I was saying, you know, we want our girls to be the ideal empower for two girl. And Franca threw it out there and she's like, that's you. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, you evolved. You started somewhere. You knew where you wanted to go. And you took those steps. You took those strides. You read those books. You went to school. You did what you had to do to be in this place. So ultimately, we want the girls to be like that. Mm. So when I think about that, I think about what are the steps that I had to take to get to where I am now? And that's kind of how we um, created, curated all of our programs. Mm. So for example, you know, a lot of us, we may not admit it. We're probably going to say no, but we all go through some type of generational trauma. Yes. Every single person, especially, especially black women. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it is. You just have to face the facts. Um, and for us, we kind of looked at it. Okay, so what is the program that is going to bring these girls that are going to make us a little bit different? As you know, there's many nonprofits that do what we do. That's obvious. The thing is, what I find with a lot of the nonprofits is, the EDs aren't as involved, obviously, because now they're making millions of dollars. So it's like, well, I don't really need to be around. It's often cool. But at the same time, they're not modern. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, I have a lot of nieces that are within the age range of our target market mm-hmm. and our target audience, sorry. And I see how they operate. And you, you have to talk to the girls like you're one of them. Unfortunately, funny enough, growing up, my dad used to be like, I'm not one of your little friends. <laughs> <laughs> I heard so, that too. <laughs> You, and even the other day, I said it to my brother because he's 20, and I'm like, I'm not one of your little friends. Don't talk to me that way. <laughs> but I realized in order for them to, especially with that generation, because of how different they are, in order for them to understand, you have to relate to them. Yeah. So our team sat back, our program coordinators, program managers sat back and said, okay, what can we do to relate to these young girls to let them know we're in your, we're here for you. Uh-huh. And we understand you. So we created the self, um, we created the um, self-discovery program, which is you come into our programs and we don't just throw you into any program you want to join. Absolutely not. And our programs are very small. We only have about 14 to 20 girls in each program hmm. because we want it very interactive because that's important because a lot of the schools, classes, a lot of these nonprofit programs have like 40, 50 girls in there. And, you know, I'm going to just come in to hang out with my friends, but I'm not really learning anything. No. I want you to come in here and I want you to learn something so that when you leave, you're that Empower Her Two girl. So you can say, I went through the Empower Her Two program. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, you come in, self-discovery, what are your traumas? For example, some young girls may have come from struggle where, you know, their parents can't make ends meet. Mm-hmm. During the midst of COVID, you know, their parents were barely getting by pre-COVID and mm-hmm. now they've been furloughed. Yes. So this is going to cause a lot of anxiety and stress on these girls because guess what? My friends, not my friends, I'm saying their friends, the girls who say, hey, you know, my friend's parents own businesses. So they're getting all these grants. So they're still living that same life. They're posting their new clothes in the midst of COVID. They're ordering online. They're still getting their hair done. They're still buying all this makeup. But guess what? I can't do that anymore because my parents don't have a job. Now they're struggling to even make ends meet, right? And that has been really big during COVID where there's a lot of girls dealing with that. And self-esteem has taken an attack. 
self-confidence had been attacked because now it's like, well, I was in the in crowd or I was almost there. And now I'm kind of back to where I started because I can't afford those things. And yeah, I'm not seeing my friends anymore because I'm in the house, but we're still doing virtual Zoom calls. They're still coming online you know, doing unboxing, uh-huh. doing um, makeup tutorials and saying, oh, my mom just bought me this and da 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 Meanwhile, I'm that girl whose parents don't have a job now. And it's like, I'm jealous. I'm going envious. Uh-huh. And my self-esteem is going down now because now I'm also gaining weight because I'm sad. So we put you through that self-discovery program where it's like, okay, what is blocking you from being this girl, this successful girl? Uh-huh. Is it because your parents had financial issues? So whenever you're working your job at McDonald's, you're making your, fourth, I don't know, the minimum wage is from like, like 8 to $15 an hour, but you don't want to spend money on anything because you knew growing up, your parents never had money. So you're scared that all that money you make, you're going to lose. Mm. and that's a hindrance and a blockage and people don't realize that this is generational so guess what the first program is you're going through you're going straight to that financial literacy program Mm. you may even be another girl that comes in there and you know you might deal with you know i guess maybe body dysmorphia because someone in your family used to always make fun of you so i'm talking to you and you're telling me oh i'm fat but i'm looking at you and you wear 80 pounds Mm. like i could lift you up so for me i'm just like okay we're gonna put you straight through you know the um what do you call it? Oh my God, I just lost a chin of thought. Um, the health and wellness course, because that's going to teach you about, you know, self-esteem, self-confidence. That's going to teach you the importance of, you know, being in shape and you could be 80 pounds and look great. Yes. Yes. You Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it's like, I think that's kind of what differentiates us from everyone else. And that's really where if I'm, you know, I think personally where that's what makes us unique Mm -hmm. with our experiences. Mm -hmm. And you know, my ultimate vision for us is to have that huge state-of-the-art resource center where these girls can come in. There's a spa in there. You know, they can get their nails done when they feel like it. There's a gym they can work out because they still want to look cute. There's um, YouTube classes. There are, you know, steam classes, all of that. But mm-hmm. again, each component is going to be very different than what's already offered by our competitors with, within whatever city we're in. Mm. I love it. I love it. And thank you for... Uh, just shedding light on the the impact uh, that even COVID, the pandemic, is having on uh, girls, especially in this the you know the the target audience uh, that Empower Her Two works with and on behalf of. Um, and the point about uh, generational trauma is very very real. Um, it's like if our parents or grandparents or you know our caretakers. Uh, don't necessarily share with us uh, because they weren't even taught to share, right? Kind of like what your father, <laughs> what your father said, and what I even heard, right? Um, like I'm not one of your little friends, or I don't care what's going on in their household. This is our household, right? Um, yeah, when yeah. when that information is not shared, and it's just kind of, you know, I'm I'm the parent or I'm the caretaker, so whatever I say goes. Uh, then as young girls, young women are developing, they're not really aware of why they're doing the things that they're doing and that they're repeating a cycle. So I, I again, c- commend you that there's the self-discovery. And then from there, there's these targeted tracks that are associated with things to um, further aid them in, in their development and address uh, that, you know, that, that trauma. Um and I, I guess even as adults, right, like uh, we don't often take into account the toll, whether it's emotional, spiritual, mental, uh, mental, excuse me, on being an entrepreneur and being a founder. Um, there's 
also the reality that as we grow, everyone cannot necessarily go with us on our next journey. What has been your experience with these growing pains um, as you have evolved uh, in your career and in your leadership? And what's your philosophy on what hinders growth? Um, so to be honest, I've been there, done that. I'm probably still going through there. I completely moved to a different country. I'm originally Canadian born <laughs> and I now live in the U.S. So I basically had to start my life all over again. Mm. And I will say that um, in the last three years, I've met some amazing people, people who are like-minded with myself. I've been able to be plugged into some great, great connections. And that's why I'm like, you know, for me, I'm sad at first because I'm like, wow, you know, you would think moving away, your friends would still contact you here. And then it was like, you move away in the first couple of months. I was like, hey, you know, like, is anyone going to come visit me? And then it turns into everyone disappears. We're all adults. We all get older. We all have families, kids, fiancés, boyfriends, whatever, husbands. And, you know, it's going to happen. You're going to tear apart. But it's worse when you're in a different country. Mm. And I said to myself, well, I can either stay here and be depressed about it. Or, you know, I can, you know, I'm introverted, but I can go out there and make friends who are like me. People who I know, like, we can get our families together and hang out. And, you know, we can talk about business. We can talk about what's going on in the world, things like that. And, you know, it was hard. Trust me, those growing pains. Because I was lonely. Yes. Even now, because I'm very introverted. Um, funny enough, I don't believe in horoscopes, but apparently I am the ultimate Aquarius. <laughs> so very, and I like I literally can sit in front of my computer all day. I will be with a friend in front of her and not speak to her for hours and literally be staring at my computer working. I completely oh forget there's people around me. That's just the fact because I'm so involved in what I do. Mm. And I really, I'm so behind this vision that I'm like, it has to happen. It has mm. to happen. Mm. So I experienced the growing pain, but I thought everybody cares the past is the past you even if you fail with whatever you do in your past guess what you got to learn those lessons from that past so now you know even if you were a terrible friend okay you know I'm going to make a new friend I'm going to make I'm going to make better choices when it comes to contacting my friends whether it's I have a business and it fails okay you know I'm going to make better choices on the next business I start Mm -hmm. so don't be scared of those growing pains it happens it's going to happen if it doesn't happen then you ain't evolving that's all that it is you're not evolving and that's the problem that can also be a hindrance to why you're not successful. Mm -hmm. So I don't let that get to me. It's just the strain it does take on your mental because I will be very transparent here. I used to be like, I used to go to the gym maybe six or times a week, maybe sometimes twice a day. I can even tell you the last time I went to the gym. Mm -hmm. And for me, and because COVID made it worse, because you can even go outside. So now I'm like, I'm working on, you know, it got to the point where all I wear is athleisure wear. I was that girl. I was always dressed up to the nines. I always had the designer bag, always had the designer shoes. And now I'm slowly getting back into that because now I'm like, okay, having my hair in a ponytail for like weeks at a time, washing and just putting it right back in a ponytail, that's <laughs> not cute. And when I'm on Zoom calls, I won't go on camera because I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to put my makeup on. I'm wearing glasses and I look really young. So now I'm slowly getting back into the routine where, okay, I got to get up. I got to get dressed up. You know, even if it's just going to the coffee shop with my laptop, I got to look like a human again because again, I mean, who knows, maybe my potential partner's out there somewhere. <laughs> This is true. In a sweater all day, you know what I mean, working. So it has actually taken a toll on my uh, mental Mm -hmm. health as well as my, you know, um, health in general, Mm -hmm. like fitness wise. Mm -hmm. Um, So it will take a toll on it, but it's just really, you have to recognize when you're going down that path of destruction and pick yourself up and say, you know, this is not going to happen. I am also a very spiritual person. So I do meditate in the mornings. I do do my devotionals in the morning. Um, because I, ultimately at the end of the day, you know, I can't be successful by myself. Like, 
yes. God was going to help me get here. But, you know, his mercy and his grace. So I have to also recognize that as well. And I do notice that when I'm struggling within my spiritual journey, that my business is struggle as well because mm. I'm not a hands-on or I will be transparent. It's like, oh my gosh, all this money is coming in. We're getting all these donations. We're getting this. They're like, for my for profits, we're making all this money that I sometimes forget. And that's not a good thing mm. because he will quick. He is quick to humble you. Let me tell you that. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> so, I know it. <laughs> exactly. So for me, it's like I try not to all, and that's why I always tell people, don't focus on the financial aspect of your entrepreneurship journey because you need to be abundant in all. Yes. In, in order to be successful, you have to be abundant in everything that you do. And that goes down to health because health and financial, they have, they're very, they align with one another. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me, like I said, you know, I would just eat, eat, and swipe, swipe, swipe. And then I'm realizing I'm spending all this money on Uber Eats while I'm getting all this weight. Mm-hmm. So it's like, let me stop spending this money at Uber Eats and that's going to help me stop gaining weight. Mm-hmm. So these little things that people need to factor in, you know, emotionally, it takes a toll on you because if you're a person who, you know, doesn't really like date, date, I guess, in your entrepreneurial journey, it's like you're alone. So what am I going to do? I got to go outside. Yes. I have to, you know, make sure that I'm into with my emotion. I have to cry when something happens. You have to be, and there's nothing wrong with crying. And that's a misconception I think people need to get rid of is if I cry, I'm sad, I'm hurt. No, you can cry your tears of joy when yes. something happens. Mm-hmm. So you have to just be in tune with your emotions because in order to even operate and be a leader, I'm finding if I'm not in tune with my emotions, how can I leave my staff? If my staff say something I don't like, I can't react and be like, oh, well, I'm going to fire you because I don't like what you said to me. No, I got to take a step back and say, why did that person say that to me? Why do they feel comfortable with saying maybe I'm not being a good enough leader? Maybe I'm not showing them that this is how it's supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I didn't lead their manager, so their manager could have showed them that. So these are little things that you have to think about when you become an entrepreneur or even when you're running a nonprofit. Yes, for-profit is similar, but there's still a lot of differences within both industries. Yes, yes. Wow, you just dropped a, a whole lot of gems. And I um, several things uh, stood out to me, just the, the correlation and the alignment between like how you're taking care of yourself and then how things are going to function and operate in your business, whether the business is a nonprofit or it's a for-profit uh, venture, like how that's all connected. I hope everyone caught that. Um, also, um, if look, if you want to put your hair in a bun and, and wear your glasses, it, your part your your partner is going to accept you. It should <laughs> accept you. Oh my goodness, they should accept you however you are, um, if they're really, really into you. And um I also appreciate just your your share of um, taking that self inventory, like what's going on with me and also being vulnerable with yourself that, okay, maybe I want to be quiet right now. Maybe I just need time to just think and process and unplug. I'm crying right now. Maybe I don't really have the full articulation on why I'm crying, but if I see that there's a pattern, then maybe I need to reach out to, you know, someone, um, who can help me and support me with this? Someone who's you know credentialed and qualified and is a clinician. Oh, uh, you don't want to you know overburden other people with your with your woes, but taking that self inventory and just being mindful of how you're operating and you're showing up, so that you can actually show up for the business, show up for the people that you're leading. Thank you, thank exactly. you, thank you. Yeah, because that's another thing too. People don't realize, right? Is you know I could be having serious personal issues. 
But the moment I open my laptop, the moment I walk into an office, I need to forget about that. Mm. Because guess what? You think that person or that donor who we're asking for $100,000 for is going to look at me and be like, I'm going to give you money because you don't even know how to handle your personal life. Mm. You think that donor that sees me living lavishly, even if it's for for profit, is going to give me money because they're like, you don't even know how to handle your finances. Mm -hmm. So these are things that people need to understand and people need to take into account when they do other things. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I I, I also, you know, just overall, I love the heart that you bring to the work, the dedication, uh, just you have a very giving spirit. Uh, with all of the ventures that you started, sold and continue to expand, your heart is with the mission of Empower Her Too. You mentioned that if someone asked you, you know, which of your ventures would you keep that, Empower Her Too would be it. Why is that? Um, because honestly, when I think about it, I'm like, if I had Empower Her Too when I was that, like, this age group, I would be so, I would probably be a billionaire by now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also just because I'm so passionate about it, like, you know, being that young girl, who sometimes you don't have anyone to talk to because I've always been really different growing up. Like, high school, I would have, like, I was really good friends with the popular kids, but I was the girl that was sitting at the front in the glasses helping everybody with their work. Mm-hmm. I, so I was always very, even now I'm still very odd. People always tell me I'm weird. I like weird things. Like I'll randomly just start listening to classical music. You know, I'll just be like, oh, you know what? Let me go listen to some Sade. I was like, what, 15? What am I doing listening to Sade at 15? Like, I'm always very- Listen, there's nothing wrong with Sade. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up on Sade. <laughs> Yeah, but then I'll then you'll you'll randomly hear me like throw out some John Bon Jovi or Bon Jovi story, and you're like, what? what? What's going on here? So it's like I've always been that kid that's been very different. Um, I and I know a lot of geniuses, the same, are very <laughs> like they're alone. They spend a lot of time alone. They just feel like they don't. People don't understand them, and I sometimes really don't think people understand me. And I just want these girls to come in here and be able to say, you know, even if someone doesn't understand me, I know who I am as a person. And I know that I want to be in certain rooms. I know that I want to be successful with certain things. Mm. So guess what? I'm going to figure out a way to do it. I'm going to be that person. I don't care what anyone says. I'm not going to follow the in crowd. And I just want each one of these girls going through these programs to remember that. To remember that, you know, right now you're stuck. You're probably pissed off because you think you're failing, but it's okay because this isn't going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm that's why I'm so every time my staff reach out to me, I could be doing something like doing payroll for the other one of the other departments. I could be talking to the government about something and I'll stop and be like, give me one second and I'll read the message mm-hmm. as soon as you know. And because I don't want to just say, you know, I'm going to target these young girls, but my staff have to feel the same way. So I don't want to have, you know, the young girls coming in and then my staff saying, well, you treat, you know, these girls get this treatment, but you don't treat us well, which mm-hmm. is why I believe in employee benefits and employee engagement as well. Mm-hmm. Because that's really important that, you know, I can't have a business that is providing a service or programs to these girls and treat my staff like garbage. Ooh. That doesn't even make sense. A lot of people need a lot of people need to hear that. <laughs> exactly. And a lot of these girls that do come into the programs, even some of the volunteers, some of the staff, for example, my um, director of communications. Julia, she is 20, 23, I think it is, 22 or 23. She came in as a volunteer. She's now a paid director. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, yeah, a paid director. And it was like, she started as, you know, she came in to learn. You know, she grew. And even when I speak to her times, you know, you can see she's still young. She's still learning. But she's a really good leader. Like, I was listening on their 
or not listen now, I'll watch in on their Slack conversations and she knows how to address topics, how to speak to her staff. Mm-hmm. And that's how I want the growth this program to be. So if I have to hire, you know, people around the age group who understand that, that's what I'm going to do mm-hmm. because I'm extremely passionate of what we're doing and why we're doing it for them. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Wow. So, so inspirational. Um, I, like, I appreciate it. We didn't even, I, I mean, again, we didn't even explore all, you know, you know the several for-profit businesses that <laughs> you're, also, you're also managing. So, again, very, very inspirational. Um, I remember when we connected, I was just like, Janine, how are you even doing it all? <laughs> and you're like, I don't even know, but, you know, it's his passion. It's just, and, and I also want to give a shout out to your dad. Uh, because when you shared with me that, you know, dad has been a supporter and then you also put dad on payroll, I was just like, you know what? Cheers to the the great dads out here that are doing it both, you know, you know, for all of their children, but especially for um for young girls and and modeling that uh, that that leadership and um that 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 support that that we need. So you know that we close with our tea affirmation. So what is your tea affirmation for our listeners? So I'm going to change it up a little bit today, which I should have told you beforehand. <laughs> um, and I think it will be more so for any listeners that actually have young girls on here. Um, and that's what my tea affirmation is going to be for. And for me personally, I, even as an adult, I use this, I look at it every day, I think about it every day. And it's just more so like, you know, growing up as a young lady, that failure is going to happen. Failure, if it doesn't happen, guess what? You're not going to be able to be successful. So always take failure as a lesson mm. and move forward with it and be that great girl that you know that you're going to be. Mm. Always take failure as a lesson. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Even I needed to hear that. Um, <laughs> I mean, even the grown women, the, the, the girls, the little girls in us, we still need to hear that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So Janine, how do people like uh, support you, whether it's with Empower Her Too, how do they stay connected with you, the work that's going on there, or even um, the for-profit ventures that you have? You can go ahead and I guess add me to LinkedIn. It's going to be under Janine Ali, so it's Janine, and then A-L-Y. Um, so it would obviously be LinkedIn.com slash I-N slash Janine, my name, J-A-N-E-E-N-A-L-Y. You can visit, or you can, I guess, add me to Instagram. It's J Brown Group. And for the actual, and then you'll see everything else. you see all the for-profits and all that. For the nonprofit, um, you can visit our website at www.empowerher2.org. Mm. And you'll have both sides, which is either the Toronto or Florida side, whichever one you're interested on, interested about, sorry. And then you can also visit us. All of our social medias are always going to be Empower Her too. Um, and Empower Her spelled with H-E-R. Please don't forget because people always put it without the H. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's pretty much how you can stay in contact with us or me. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Janine. And cheers to you, your staff, and also the the young girls and women that are um, further developing and honing in on their leadership and their identities through through your work. Perfect. Thank you so much. It's been talking to you as well. Yes. Until we connect again, sip, sis, sila, share, and continue to serve.